everyone. So thank you for coming to the inaugural episode of the Same Girl podcast. I am Angie. And I'm Kayla. And today we're going to be talking about the pandemic and mental health because Laura knows that we had some mental health stuff <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic. Oh God, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> it's like we all went through a collective trauma and now everyone's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, that's basically how trauma works, right? <laughs> I feel like all your trauma has a period where you're like, no, this is fun. I don't have to process or deal with this. <laughs> it's that meme where everybody or the, the dog is sitting in the room that's on fire and it's like, this is fine. This is totally fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about is like quarantine and like I'm an extrovert so not being able to go out and socialize with people and being around my friends was very hard for me and I also Mm. don't like being alone when I'm depressed because I'm alone with my thoughts so the period where I was like just chilling at home and trying to desperately fill my time and not think about you know, the world coming to an end and then also having my depression on top of that was like incredibly hard. And, you know, like you can do video chats and things like that, but it took effort to like arrange them in a different way than it takes effort to just tell your friend, hey, let's go coffee. And yeah, it's, it's totally not, not the same. same. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. How about quarantine for you? I actually had the opposite experience because I am an ambivert. And so introverted me loved (laughs) not having the pressure of having to socialize and and do everything. Um, I was also struggling quite a bit at the beginning of the quarantine last year. And so my tendency is to isolate. And so Mm -hmm. I was doing okay with that part of it. I actually had more trouble actually trying to go out and do things Mm. and pretend like everything was okay and function normally. So I loved the the quarantine and the isolation, honestly, but I didn't mind it, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, like one of my best friends, she's an absolute introvert. Like she's kind of an ambivert, but she's, she's also very introverted in certain ways. And I heard from so many introverts that they were like, this is the best because there was no social pressure. And I feel like that's something that introverts have to deal with all the time where they like, they have to find a a reason or an excuse to not go out because we don't talk openly enough about like our mental health and self-care to just be like, no, I can't go to that because I'm not feeling like it. Um, she was like, I'm living my best hermit life. She like went off the grid. I swear <laughs> to God. I was like, are you still alive? Like, do you have Rona? Um, but even her by like, I would say February this year, she was like, okay, now I need people. Like I'm realizing that this isn't mm. the best for my mental health. Like I need something. Cause she was working from home too. And I think working uh. from home when you're like an ambivert or an extrovert made it even harder because you aren't seeing those people on a day-to-day basis and I can't like I was only single for um April so like four months and we've been kind of coming out of 
uh, the, all of the restrictions, so it hasn't been nearly as bad. But it's definitely like I feel so bad for people that were single during this. I, you would have to do everything on your own, and then if you got Rona, like, I, you would have to lean on your family and friends for support. And it's also like the worst being sick and having no one to take care of you. So. Oh my God! Yes, I miss having like mom I'm sick can you can you can you come take care of me please bring me some soup (laughs) exactly exactly and then like for people that did get Rona I think there was also an an added thing of like the immense guilt like I have a few friends that got it and they felt so guilty for catching it and I'm like it's a virus it's not and like the people that caught it it's not like they were out like going to like concerts and things like that they basically just caught it because they like caught it in their building elevator or you caught it from your brother that works at a starbucks right but there's guilt associated with it so could you talk a little bit about that yeah actually um it wasn't my brother that caught it we figured out because uh the contacts that he was in especially his boyfriend nobody got it I was the only common denominator between my family and my brother who I live with. And so there was actually uh, a period there where I felt relief because I thought it wasn't me. And then the immense guilt that I had when I realized it was because I was so careful for so long and I still have no idea. I have, you know, theories of where I may have caught it. I had that that guilt of, I knew that I shouldn't have been seeing my family. Mm. Um, But I thought that it would be okay, because I'd been at home, and I'd only been two places otherwise, which were my doctor's office, and my therapist's office. So I thought it was safe. And not only that, but then the guilt thinking about if it got to my father, because he has so many comorbidities. Mm. And if he caught it, I don't know what that would look like. And I gave it to my nephew, who was only 14 months at the time. And I just was so immensely disappointed in myself for exposing him like that. And it's still something I'm processing, I think, because he is just a little innocent in this. And um, that's why I'm so passionate about vaccines and everything, of course, because children can't get vaccinated. And as careful as I was, I didn't feel like I was careful enough. It sounds like you're getting emotional about it, even just talking about it now. A little bit. I've got some tears. You can't see them, but <laughs> but yeah. we know how much I cry, so it's all good. <laughs> We're real in touch with our emotions on this mental health podcast. Because um, yeah. I figure if I don't cr- if I don't laugh, I'm gonna cry, or I might do both. Who knows? <laughs> The laughing while you're crying. That's the part that really like scares people that have no idea what mental illness is. They're like, what is happening? They're just like, that's a whole lot of stuff that I don't know how to deal with right now. Yeah. Yeah, My friend actually like didn't have any symptoms except for like a stomach ache. And that's not one of the primary symptoms. So she went to work for a little bit and then she ended up feeling sick enough to go home but she felt so bad about going to work. Like my friend felt so bad about going to work and potentially exposing people. And I remember having to talk her through the guilt and like 
there being nothing that I could say that could console her just because she felt so bad for potentially exposing people. And I don't know, like, especially when you have mental illness, it's so easy to blame yourself for everything anyway. And then to have like a global, highly contagious virus on top of that. Well, and as as a globe, I guess, as, as a world internationally, we've never dealt with anything on this scale Mm -hmm. this is completely new for us and this collective trauma I mean I feel like people with mental health struggles already (laughs) kind of know how to process and deal with their trauma mostly but just collectively everybody going through this thing and nobody knowing how to handle it and and kind of navigating that together to me has been just surreal almost definitely And it's been hard. Um, I'm noticing now, like as things start to open back up, some people just didn't take it seriously at all. Mm. Um, And like, I have a friend, Joya, who is on this podcast. She wasn't able to make it today, but she went through a situation where her friends were flaunting the restrictions and it ended up that she had an immunocompromised father. They were saying they didn't care about people like her father and that really hurt her. And I feel like a lot of friendships ended over, you know, differences in how you handled like the, the different restrictions and how seriously you took it. And like, even like, I think when we were hanging out, we had like a few moments where I was like, actually, I don't feel comfortable doing that because of COVID. And it's like, it was scary for me to bring up because it's like such a sensitive thing and you don't want to cause drama, but yeah, I'm lucky in that I actually didn't have any friendships end over uh, over anything COVID related. And I think that's just because I've cut out most of the toxic people. Uh, so I think I've just been lucky that way that I'm, I've surrounded myself with, you know, like-minded people who are intellectual and just logical about things. I, I have had some family that... Uh, mm. That's been a little bit interesting, not close family, not, uh, you know, in my direct immediate family, but it's been interesting to see. I stopped going on Facebook completely, um, probably, honestly, almost 10 months ago now, uh, just because I felt like I couldn't handle it anymore. The stuff that people were saying and posting, the amount of people who think that they know better than scientists and me having to admit that I'm related to them was just (laughs) flabbergasting. Like I just, I felt like I couldn't handle it. And I was like, this is not good for my mental health, but I didn't have to know. And I didn't have to end any relationships luckily because of it. So yeah, I know a lot of people like, and I would get upset. Like I was lucky enough to not know very many anti-vaxxers, but like even just seeing anti-vaxxers that I didn't know, it would affect me and I would get so upset. And then eventually, like, you know, you can try and educate people, but you can't shake hands with a closed fist. And if they aren't ready to hear the information, you have to take care of yourself. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I forgot that I, I even prepared like a sick joke for this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? Etch. Etch who? Bless you. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It was terrible. <laughs> I love it though. As as soon as I said at you, I was like, oh God, here it comes. <laughs> I was proud of that one. Okay. 
but actually though sneezing inside your mask is like the most uncomfortable thing it's not even just that like I don't know so at work um because I work in a healthcare setting I wear the disposable ones all day and when you sneeze in one and can't immediately change it not only are you trapped with your own moisture and mucus (laughs) but like the smell of it (laughs) it's just I hate hate sneezing into a mask it's the worst like I would rather pull my mask away from my face and sneeze into my shirt that's a good sneeze into a mask yeah yeah thank you I like to think I'm smart sometimes (laughs) (laughs) I I remember being in a walk-in clinic during like but yeah, it was during like the height of everything and I sneezed and everyone in the room just turned and like stared at me. And I was like, that's not even a symptom. I'm so, oh I've been so scared to sneeze in public. Like, and like Pollen saw that there was a global pandemic and instead of being <laughs> like, oh, maybe I should lay off this year. It was like, bitch, I'm going to go harder. So then I, like all of the COVID tests I took were basically allergies but sneezing in that walk-in clinic, I felt like the biggest social pariah ever. Everyone was like so angry. And I actually said out loud, I was like, it's not COVID. It's just allergies. <laughs> I had that experience in a grocery store, uh, but I didn't sneeze. I just, I don't know. I went to talk and because I'm very coordinated, I choked on my own air. <laughs> Uh, and so I started coughing and the amount of people that shrunk away from me and I was trying to explain I was like no I just can't breathe properly (laughs) I just suck it breathing air (laughs) on the on the flip side if I see someone like having a coughing attack I'm like I'm a steer clear like six feet more like 12 feet you know like (laughs) well because who knows even if it was uh just a coughing fit because you gulped air down you know, improperly. For all I know, I could be carrying it still. So like, that's that's why you still have to be careful. That's why people still have to mask and physically distance. Damn it. Either are acting like everything's normal and everything's fine and going straight back to normal and pretending like we didn't just all go through a collective trauma, or you're super anxious about opening up and going to like these events. Like I have a friend, I organized a bowling night I felt safe because they had lots of restrictions in place but my friend is immunocompromised and she was so anxious to go out and I was I felt really glad that she told me but then I see people like going to stampede which is like just a huge concert series and going back to normal and acting like everything's fine and it's like dude it's still out there I yeah that's one of the things that has bothered me I think the most is just people acting so frivolously about it. Like these are still people's lives that are at stake. You worked in a healthcare setting. Yeah. So you were considered an essential worker. Yeah, I didn't have any direct contact like in hospitals or anything. I'm lucky that I work in a private clinic, but I actually work in a private clinic with a lot of elderly folks. And that was its own anxiety because my biggest fear was getting it and not knowing that I had it and giving it to somebody who it could be potentially, you know, life altering or life risking for. And about the pandemic that I'm missing, and I know other people are missing, like one of my friends was telling me that her kid brought this up too, 
it was kind of a relief because people suddenly started giving mentally ill people so much grace and Mm -hmm. they started talking so openly about how they were feeling and people took off the masks of making everything seem perfect and were admitting when they were having a hard day or they would be like you know what like if like this is a lot we're dealing with a pandemic and you're homeschooling your children or I have like friends that had babies during the pandemic and I feel so bad for them because they you know, it's hard enough to have a baby, let alone having a baby and then not getting the support and the normal kind of motherhood that you want to have. Um, But they were able to talk about that kind of stuff, like I hope openly. And I, I, I saw so many posts about, you know, like, this is a hard time, like, we're all just doing our best and stuff like that. And you don't see that stuff normally as a mentally ill person it's like everyone is just sweeping everything under the rug and we have to have these perfect lives that look perfect on Instagram and if there was one positive of the pandemic I would say like it was talking openly about what we're all feeling yeah that's certainly something I'm noticing is dwindling like you said it's like everybody's acting like everything's fine now and we didn't just go through what we went through Uh, And which I think is a coping mechanism in and of itself, especially for people who don't know how to process trauma. Yeah. But it's so sad and disappointing because like you said, I I felt like I was being understood and uh, given a lot more credit for what I was, what, what I was struggling with. And that actually feels now like it, it was given to me and now it's being taken away just Mm -hmm. as quickly and that is a really defeating kind of feeling uh so I'm certainly I'm going to continue to talk about mental health very openly obviously you know (laughs) um but I I really enjoyed that part where everybody could just collectively be like hey we're all human none of us have any clue what the hell we're doing and let's just figure it out together and say when we're not okay. Yeah. And that's, um, my friend was helping her son through that because he has mental health struggles and all of his friends were talking really openly about it. And now they're going back to normal and he's grieving the loss of that solidarity. Um, and I am too, but I think that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why me and Kayla are the way that we are on social media is we are trying to be that change and talk about, you know, the ups and downs of life, especially living with mental illness. We hope that today's podcast about the pandemic helped you find some comfort and some validation and some of the things that you might be feeling. And uh, I hope that we can be that safe space for you that will validate where you can talk openly about your emotions. I think I can speak for both of us when uh, that's what we're trying to create on social media. Yeah, as cheesy as it sounds, be the change you want to see in the world is what I think of because I honestly wish that I had had something like this when I was beginning to go through my mental health journey. And so uh, I hope that that's something that we can provide for other people uh, moving forward. So thanks for listening, everyone. Please engage with us on social media. Let us know what you thought of the podcast, if any different parts resonated with you. We are brand new at this, so we would love your feedback, and we will see you next time.